Oh, what is up? Welcome to Bringing the Backups. I'm your host, Eric Helwig. On the show today, you will hear me interview Jesse Eigner from the Braze Bits podcast and hear me take a really weird pause before I said that last sentence. Also, we're talking about backup quarterback Kellen Clemens. Now, I'll say this about our old boy Kellen, old Kellen Clems. I talk a, a lot about him in the interview with Jesse, so the part where I talk about him on the beginning of the show, a little bit shorter, right? That's what's nice about this podcast. If I do an interview where somebody doesn't know sports, I can hit you with the sports part early. If I do an interview with somebody who wants to talk about nothing but sports, I do just a little bit of sports up top. You see that? I can adjust based on what the podcast needs. I come and I fill in. That's how you do a professional podcast. And what's even more professional is to tell you how professional it is over and over again. You know, it's just kind of like you just hear it until then you just say it. You know, it's just like a narrative, a narrative that you believe. Eric puts on a professional podcast. Think of me as the media. I'm just going to say something over and over again until you believe it. That's what we do. Uh, we get uh, uh, our buddy Chris Aurelio dropping in on the podcast as well today, which is cool. And to all of my listeners in the Ohio state, I was going to say the Ohio area, but it's a state. So I should say the Cleveland Akron area where I'm part of the Rubber City Comedy Festival uh, from May 5th through the 8th. I'm going to be in town on May 3rd. I'm doing shows every single night. You can find all of those shows at erichelwig.com. Some are free. Some are festival shows. Some have headliner Ian Fidance, who's a hilarious comedian who will be our guest on the next podcast I release since I'm going to be hanging out with him in Cleveland in about a week. So basically, go to my website. Check out the shows. I'd love to see you come support stand-up comedy. Holy shit. Hard to believe we're finally doing that again. But uh, it's a great show. I want you guys to enjoy it. And in order to do that, I need to stop talking now and play the goddamn intro music. So let's get to that immediately. This is Bringing the Backups with Eric Helwig. Oh, I'm coming in. Here comes the show. Bringing the Backups. You're talking to a COVID-free man. That is right, second COVID shot in the books. Book it up, everybody. I'm done. Man, it feels good. I uh, I cannot wait to get out there and participate in group sex. That's going to be something else. Am I right? Huh? Who's excited? Who wants to get down? People are people are going to go crazy, right? I mean that that that's that's what we should do. Like, like I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not going to get too much into my sex stuff, but you know, I've never had group sex. But if there was ever a time to start, wouldn't it be now? I mean, wouldn't it be after everybody gets their second COVID shot? Wouldn't that be the time? You, know, you give it the proper two weeks. All right, I'm not an animal. Give it the proper two weeks, and then it's bang time. All right, everybody's looking for holes. That's what we should be doing. That's what I. That's what. That's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going. I'm going crazy. Oh my god! I'm going to go to a restaurant. I'm going to take my mask off. I'm going to uh, have soup. It's going to be fucking nuts. I like that now that I'm 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 fucking celiac diseased up. My my like wildest fantasy is having soup. 
I, I don't like want to like in my fantasy have foods that I can't have in real life, which means my fantasies it, it's it's a lot of me like you know in an apple orchard. You know, I can eat anything there. I think. Yeah, celery sticks, you know, whatever. I can't I can't do it again. I can't complain about it again, guys. All right. This is just life. Second COVID shot. I am uh I am stoked. Thanks for being here uh on the show. Today on the show, Jesse Eigner, very funny comedian. Uh he is part of the Braised Bits podcast, which is hilarious. Uh you should check that out. We're gonna be talking with Jesse a little bit later in the show. And after our first uh pre planned bit. We're getting into Kellen Clemens, uh, a beautifully, uh, a beautiful sounding name, Kellen Clemens, right? The alliteration is rife. Am I using that word? Rife. I found out the other day I was misusing the word heterodox uh, a lot. I probably said heterodox on the podcast 48 times. I've been using it incorrectly, but you know... You live, you learn. It's it's almost it's always like when you send the email. It's like that feeling of like you send the email and you're like, why would I even look over it now? There's nothing I can do. If there's a misspelled word in there, it's already gone. Okay, God has sent it. The God I don't believe in. There goes half my listeners. The God I don't believe in has already commanded it be read by somebody else. Why? Why look over it? But I always do. Then right in there, it's just like, it's like, it's the word receive, E-I-I-E. I don't know, but whatever it is, I put it in wrong every fucking time. I need a less creaky chair. <laughs> can you guys hear the creak in the chair? You can probably hear it. Uh, you know what I do? I do I do a lot of the pen clicking. I got to make sure that that stops too. I got a lot of habits. Do you guys like a podcast where the host just... Uh, <laughs> Complains about habits. Uh, thank you to the Astro League podcast. Uh, I had a great time on that show. You guys can follow them on at Astro League Podcast on Instagram. It was uh, I'm now I'm forgetting the dude's name, but he was very cool, very nice guy. He's in Australia, but they were really into fantasy football. I don't know if you guys knew this, but Australia is the only other place. And I've always been like, I'm, why would I go to Australia? It's like so far away. Like, what do they really have there that, like, I need to see? Well, like, what needs to be three days of my life and traveling and jet lag for a week to go to Australia? But then I found out it's the only other place in the world where uh, they call football football. Like, you know what I mean? Like how, like, soccer is football everywhere else. In Australia, it's soccer. Soccer is soccer. And football is football. That alone, I was like, maybe I'll live in Australia one day. That was like that was like the best thing I've learned. I also learned Tasmania is a place and not just the origin for a Looney Tunes character. I learned a lot on the podcast. It was a good time. It's always it's fun because he he like knew football better than me, but he's like, I might like he's got that whole voice that to me is just somebody's just. Like in my mind, I live in the Truman Show, so it's just he's doing that voice, and then as soon as he hangs up the phone. He just talks like me. <laughs> he's like, all right, we got Eric to think that Australia is a real place. Um, but no, he's got the whole voice. It's a, it's a fun podcast, and he actually knows his sports more than me. He knew more, he knew more about, like, the draft coming up. Every, every, po- every podcaster I talk to on Instagram or Twitter, you know, we all, like, chit-chat back and forth. Got a little community going on. 
They're all like really into the draft. Everybody's like, hey, man, yeah, we'll love to have you on. Let's, let, I'd love to have a comic on my show after the draft. Because the draft is where we all get in a circle with our draft boards and, you know, watch each other masturbate and then f- miss the draft completely. Like, football nerds love the draft. They, people are so into the draft. I, I, I don't really watch the draft. I just, I just look at who we drafted the next day. That's all I do. Like, like, what is me being outraged gonna do? I think I like watched the draft where the Eagles drafted McNabb and people booed, and then they they because they wanted Ricky Waters, and then like two years into it, you were like, oh well, clearly they made the right move. I was like, okay, I'm done with the draft. But like nobody know nobody knows who's gonna be good. Like it's not there's no real science to it. Like the Chargers thought Ryan Leaf would be awesome, so like you don't know shit. Like you it just you gotta you can just close your eyes. Hope that the experts are right. But, like, to be there in the moment, I'm like, I gain nothing from being there in the moment. That's just my thought on the draft. So what I'm saying is if you like the draft or you believe in God, you need to turn off my podcast. How can I lower the listenership on my podcast? There's got to be a way. There's got to be a way. Again, shout out, Astro League Podcast. Uh, check them out on Instagram, Astro League Podcast. Uh, I got a bad haircut. <laughs> I, got a, I wanted to talk to you guys about this because it was so funny. I went to go get a haircut. First first haircut in a while. Um, uh, during quarantine, I, I, got, I think I got like one haircut early. And then I, uh, sh- you know, about halfway through the pandemic, I shaved my own head. You know, just because I'm already riding around on my bike with a full ski mask. How can I look more like a like a terrorist? I'll sh- so I shaved my head, and then this was like, okay, I'm, I'm my hair was going long. Like I was like, okay, it's time to get a haircut. It's safe. Blah blah blah. Went to go get a haircut, and man, oh man, I won't name the place in L.A., but they butchered my do. Oh my god, I came home and. Uh, my wife was like, "You look like a you look like a piece of shit." Like, because it's there's a delicate balance. Like when somebody gets a bad haircut, like, do you say it? But I, I really respected my wife for being like that. Almost immediately, that's the worst haircut I've ever seen. Because I had a I had an idea it was bad. You know, it's like, but after a fresh cut, you know, I got the shampoo. I was like, oh, you know, maybe it'll look fine. You know, like I you get used to it. It grows out a little bit. No, like there was like a tuft of hair coming out of the back of my head. Like I had like a little like mini rat tail. Like they didn't, she didn't like shape the back part of my head. So I had a wave of hair coming back over a mostly shaved back of my head. It looked insane. I looked like, remember tails from Sonic the Hedgehog with like the, the curvy tail that comes off? That was like what the back of my head looked like. It was, it was, I looked like Joe Dirt. It was insane. I just showed her, and I and all I did for the haircut is like I just showed her photos of my hair two years ago. I was like, yeah, just make it like this. And then she gave me like a weird L.A. I live in a van haircut. It was it was nuts. I ended up having to cut. I'd fixed my own hair, which I was proud of. You know, it doesn't look too bad. I missed a couple spots, but I'm I'm leaving. I'm leaving it in for posterity's sake. <laughs> but I you look. Bad haircut. The truth is, is like even just being out to get a bad haircut was exciting. Like I can't really complain too much about the haircut because I'm, I fucking get to go out and get a haircut. Jesus Christ! It's like I feel I feel so lucky. 
to even be able to do that, man. And I, the reason I got the haircut is because I've got my shows in Cleveland coming up, which I guess I should plug on. I guess I should plug those on the show. Like, if anybody here is listening, I, I know I should. Here's, here's the thing. I got to get into this mentality. I should plug my shows because some of you assholes live in Ohio. I know that. So to those of you who live in Ohio, starting on Monday, May 3rd, I'm at the Akron P-L-A-V, I forget what that stands for, but it's some, like, veteran group. Okay, yeah, I'm doing shows for the Polish Legion of American Vets. That's going to be my comeback show from 14 months. I'm doing, like, 15 minutes in front of the Polish Legion of American Vets. (laughs) Uh, Hilarious-sounding show. Then I've got Late Night Laughs in Akron on Tuesday. On Wednesday, I'm doing $5 Holla Comedy Hour in Beachwood, Ohio. That's, like, East... Uh, Cleveland. So if you're in the Cleveland area, that's the best show to come to. I'm in uh, Cuyahoga Falls. Oh, that's at the uh, the Funny Stop for the Rubber City Comedy Festival on Thursday and Saturday. Then on Friday, I'm in Akron, too, doing a spot at Mission Falls Brewery. That Friday show is free if you want to come out to it. But look, that's way too much to remember. Just go to my website, erichelwick.com. Basically, I have a show every night, Monday through Saturday, while I'm in the Cleveland-Akron area. So that's amazing. I'm so excited to be doing that. Definitely come out and support, again, all the shows on erichelwick.com. I would greatly appreciate that. Can't wait to get out to Cleveland. I'm not excited about how I'm going to get there because I'm taking a Spirit Airlines flight back to the East Coast and then renting a car after seeing my family and driving to Cleveland. Spirit Airlines, man, look, I don't know how many of you have experience with that airline but it is i mean good lord it's an example of you you get what you pay for that's the best way like it's the only plane i know that's powered by men on bicycles in the undercarriage of the plane like it's i don't know how they stay in the air it kind of feels like a chinatown bus just started to fly that's the best way to describe the experience there's always just animals on there and Everybody on a Spirit Airlines flight is on their first flight ever. It'll be you and everybody else first time on an airplane, guaranteed. That's kind of the rule. It's so cheap. I, uh, You can upgrade your seat to first class on Spirit Airlines for $7. For $7, you can move up to first class. Any upgrade that's 7 bucks on a plane, it, it speaks so much more to the plane than what is about to happen. Like, you're not, you're clearly not going to get anything good for the $7. Basically, you pay $7 to move up to first class on Spirit Airlines so you can be close enough to the pilot to hear him say, what does this button do as the plane takes off? That's essentially what you're paying for. So that, that'll be it. If, if the plane crashes, um, you know, don't be sad. I, <laughs> The Uber to the airport costs more than the plane, so it's not a tragedy if we go down. But hopefully we make it. I uh, I can get out to uh, to uh, Akron for the shows. And then I'm coming back on, I can't remember, some other airline that's, you know, was about $100 more ticket, and and thank God. All right, the Spirit, the Spirit Airline trip fit with my schedule better. That's why it got booked, but, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm not a wealthy man. I've... I've had my fair share of spirit experiences. And let me tell you something, man. They are memorable for all the wrong reasons. So 
Looks like Spirit won't be sponsoring the podcast. That's all right. They don't do they don't do sponsorships. What would they do? They'd be like, "Oh, if you if you talk about us positively on your podcast, we'll let you become a pilot without training." Like, let's what would they offer? <laughs> Their flights are worthless. Oh my god. Well, anyway, let's get to our first pre-planned bit of the show. Uh, we're going to do that right now, and I think you guys are going to like this one. One of our old friends is uh, coming back to say hi, so enjoy some time with uh, with an old pal. Yeah, guess who's back? It's me, former NFL quarterback and current baby naming business backup, Bubby Brister here. Want to thank all you birthing baby ladies for supporting Bubby Brister Named Your Baby. We've seen a boom in baby naming business in the last two months. I've named at least seven babies Bubby Brister and hee-haw, I'm like a prairie dog bursting from a briar patch with boysenberries on his breath. Bringing the backups in Bubby Brister Named Your Baby have been the best of buds and are helping me buy a horse. Once I learn to ride, I'm going to hop on old Bubba Brister's back and ride off into the sunset. Hee-hoo! Now don't take my word for it. My sister-in-law, Jenny, has been along for the whole ride, and she's seen it happen. Ain't that right, Jenny? Bubby. Jenny, tell the people out there how Bubba Brister Named Your Baby's been a hit. Bubby, you know the deal. What's the deal, Jenny? The deal is you can't mention Bubby Brister Names Your Baby anymore. And why is that? Bubby. I'm just curious why I'm not allowed to mention Bubba Brister Names Your Baby to you. Bubby. Jenny. Because in exchange for you not mentioning it, I'm naming the baby Bubby. You heard it here first, folks. That's one more Bubby Brister coming at you. Another happy customer. Ain't that right, Jenny? (sighs) Bubby. That's Bubby Brister Names Your Baby. Now naming horses, too. You can find me at Napster or at our new office located in the kitchen of the burned out Denny's off Route 17, Caddy Corner to Old Man Brown Slaughterhouse. Also, you can just scream Bubby Brister real loud and I'll hear you. This ad for Bubby Brister Names Your Baby is approved by Tulsi Gabbard for president. Tulsi, no more endless war. All right, Tulsi and Spirit Airlines are two sponsors for the podcast currently. Bubby Brister, good to have him back on the show. But we're not talking Bubby on this episode, all right? We're talking Kellen Clemens. Kellen Clemens. And by the way, my guest, Jesse Eigner, who's coming on in about 10, 15 minutes-ish. He had a lot to say on Kellen. Here's the thing. When I asked Jesse to do the show, Jay Iggs, by the way, if you want to follow him on Instagram and Twitter, he's a, he's a fun follow. Uh, he was like, oh, let's do uh, Kellen Clemens because uh, Jesse's a huge Jets fan. Um, but when I look at Kellen Clemens' career, he you could really make the argument that he is a Charger more than he's a Jet. Look, he was only on the Jets for five seasons. He was on the St. Louis Rams, San Diego Chargers, Los Angeles Chargers for eight years. So, But the thing is, it's weird because it's like they were all different cities, right? He was in St. Louis. Oh, wait, no, hang on. I got this wrong. The Rams are a different team. What am I saying? Is this a football podcast? He was on the Rams for three years in St. Louis, who then moved to L.A. Then he was on the San Diego Chargers for three seasons, but then he moved to L.A. for 2017 to be on the Los Angeles Chargers. So, okay, look, I guess he is. I guess the. I guess New York has the biggest claim to him, right? Five years in New York, three years in St. Louis, three years in San Diego, one year in Los Angeles. All right, I stand corrected, self. I stand corrected, me, from 45 seconds ago. But I, I will say this. He played the most when he was with uh, St. Louis. That was where he got, in 2013, he got nine starts. 
He got eight starts in 2007 with the Jets. Um, and he did uh, pretty bad. Five touchdowns, ten interceptions, a quarterback rating of 60.9. Not very good. And then basically didn't play again in any heavy action for seven years. Jesus Christ, seven years. Yeah, he like fully hibernated. Like he ate pine cones so he wouldn't poop and just fell asleep in the team locker room until 2013. And then he played a lot better. For that was for the Rams. Last year in St. Louis, it looks like. Maybe one of the last No, I don't know. I'm just talking. Who cares? Uh but he threw more touchdowns than picks. Eight touchdowns, seven interceptions in nine games. Quarterback rating of seventy eight point eight, huh? That is mediocre. Completion percentage right under sixty percent. All right. And uh, that wasn't impressive enough for the Rams. They got rid of him immediately. He goes to the Chargers and backs up our boy Phillip Rivers. Old man Rivers. Old man, he has number 17 with 17 children. Had a lot of kids, Phillip Rivers. And, uh, yeah, that was the end of the career for Kellen Clemens. Something I didn't know. I'm going to give him a quicker summary here because me and Jesse talk about him a lot in the interview, so I don't want to overload you with Kellen Clemens facts. You'll get some of that in the interview. But he's from Oregon. He was an Oregon duck. And this was he went to Oregon before they changed their uniform every quarter. Um, but he's like he was like a cattle herder in Oregon, which I did not realize they had that. I guess they do in eastern Oregon. His family had a 3,500-acre ranch where they own over 100 head of cattle. So he was like that movie The Ranch but in Oregon. I thought Oregon was, like, exclusive. I thought, like, half the state was Antifa, and then the other half was the Proud Boys, and they just meet in Portland. I thought that was the whole setup there. But apparently, there's people from all walks of life. So, I'm really learning a lot. And he's a very, very religious man. Looks like he's a Catholic. Practicing Roman Catholic, just like me. I don't know if you guys know, I'm a practicing Catholic. Yes, you're like, oh, did he say he didn't believe in God? Yes, I. but I am weird about sex, which to me is practicing Catholic. That That is the most important thing about being a Catholic, is that if you have sex, you go, did I do something wrong? That means <laughs> you're in. But no, he's a big, uh, big old Catho. Um, has a bunch of kids, four kids. Well, that's not so many kids. My parents had, but we're Catholic, so I guess that that fits up. And he's uh, super pro life. Says he voted for Mitt Romney in two thousand twelve. Yeah, loves the Pope. He's got like the Pope's face tattooed on his his lower back. He's got a Pope tramp stamp. No, I'm just kidding. No, he has like a he got a blessing from the Pope at some point. He was like the Pope was like, "Good luck, never playing football." No, actually, look at this. He got the blessing from the Pope. When did he get it? In 2008, he got the blessing. And then look at that. Five years later, he's starting nine games for the for the Rams. So I, I feel like that's a direct correlation. The Pope gave him a five-year. He's like, in 2013, you will play a barely recognizable eight games. For the St. Louis Rams. Look, good for him. Uh, Kellen Clemens had a very long career. 2006 to 2017 is last year in the in the NFL. So that gives him, what, 12 years? 
11, 12 years, depending on if you count, like, the practice squad. He spent a little bit of, uh, looks like he had, like, 2011. He was with the Redskins. At the time, the Redskins. Uh, and then the Texans. But then he uh, landed with the Rams and ended up playing. So, there you go. There's his career in a nutshell. Solid 11 years from Burns, Oregon. Uh, takes care of cattle. Praise to Jesus. Overall career numbers, 16 touchdowns, 21 picks. Passer Raider <laughs> rating under 70. But was pretty good in Oregon. You know, I'll give him, I'll give him that. He kind of rocked the shit in college. Where it looks like he started his sophomore year through thir- 61 touchdowns to 24 picks in college. He had a rating of 139.4. Ran for six more touchdowns. Yeah, passed for almost 8,000 yards. Dude crushed it in Oregon. So, you know, well done, dude. Way to make it a career. Happy for you. Uh, we're going to go to our next pre-planned bit. After that, we're going to uh, get ready to bring Jesse on the show. So enjoy the next thing we have for you here. If you want something done right, you need to do it yourself. Unless it's telling your audience how to support your podcast because that shit gets old real quick. I think you should outsource it. And that's what I've done. Welcome to My Friends and Family Plug My Show. These are real people with real reasons why you should support me. I hope you listen. I hope you hear. And I do hope you support. Hi, I'm Chris Aurelio. I was Eric's roommate in New York City for five years, and we stayed great friends. Now Eric has asked me to remind you to support him because of all the experience I have reminding him to do things, like the dishes, or to turn off the oven when he's done using it, or closing the apartment door when he leaves. So please, and I don't want to have to tell you this more than once, go to his website, erichelwig.com, where you can buy merch, like great t-shirts and hoodies, especially if you have a roommate like Eric who keeps borrowing yours. You want me to write this down so you don't forget? I can leave a note or something for you. It's erichelwig.com. Go on there and sign up for his newsletter and be sure to follow him on social media. Keep listening to the podcast and tell your friends about it. But if you have a roommate, listen with headphones. Fuck you, Chris. No, I'm just kidding. That's Chris Aurelio. Give him a follow on uh, social media. And yeah, everything he said about supporting the show, you guys know what to do, huh? Help help me out. Jump on that newsletter. Five-star reviews. I, I got a bunch of five-star reviews. It's weird. Like, some weeks I'll get, like, 15 or 20, and then some weeks I'll get none. Um, I'm sure it's it's based on me, like, promoting more. I'm, I'm saying that, like, obviously. Like, there's weeks where I, like, I really go crazy trying to get people to listen to the show, and then sometimes I'm like, let's just see how far my work has carried me. And then those weeks... You know, nobody listens. And then the weeks where I just annoy people, where I just go, listen to me. (laughs) They, uh, you know, I get a bunch of reviews and shit. Uh, But let's check this one out. Diddy0424 says, very good podcast. We'll definitely be listening more often. Okay, pretty, pretty bland on that review, if I'm being honest. It's like, you know, you feel free to... Color it in with some details on the show, but, you know, I'm not gonna, not gonna beat you up for it. Thanks for writing something. Very entertaining and highly recommend. And that's from Jordan Better Than LeBron Always and Forever. Okay, well, I like the handle. Anybody that's going to go 90s over current, you got the right podcast. 
Joe's Talk, at Joe's underscore talk. Great podcast, a must listen. It's professionally done with high quality sports content. A must listen if you're a sports fan. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. And I think that's, I. this guy wrote one, Philly guy in VA. Such a great idea. From the moment I came across this podcast, I was mad I hadn't stumbled upon it sooner. Highly recommend. Well, Philly guy in VA, if I see someone steal an idea for this podcast in the coming months, I'll know it was fucking you, dude. So don't even try it. It was my idea. I came up with it. I'm the only person that has a show about backup quarterbacks. If someone tries to come in my lane with that niche, I'm cutting off a dick, man. So don't even think about it. Also, thank you for reviewing the show. Thanks for being a fan. (laughs) Philly guy in VA. If you have any suggestions for the show, you want to tell me to suck my own dick, anything like that, you can write in to Comedy at Gmail. If you got a quarterback that you'd like to have me talk about on the show, I think we've got a couple guys lined up. We have uh, who? We got Craig Wheelahan, big name. I know a lot of people have been clamoring for Craig Wheelahan, some Craig Wheelahan content. If you go on Instagram, there's one photo of him. You know, like when they're like, you can tag and see how many people. The one photo of Craig Wheelahan from 12 years ago. So I, I, the show, I, I, I literally could not be more niche if you tried. That's what I'm saying. Philly guy in VA, you're right. It is a good idea. Nobody's in this space. I'm all by myself. But yeah, if you got another quarterback you want to uh, hear about, if, even if you have a comedian that you like, you'd uh, a guest you'd like to see me interview on the show, write in again. Eric Hell with comedy at Gmail. You can do that, and that'll be cool. Uh, and we're gonna the f- next podcast. We're gonna have a really great comic. We're uh, talking to Ian Fidance. He's actually the headliner at the uh, Rubber City Comedy Festival, which is what's taking me out to the Cleveland-Akron area. So, yeah, while I'm in town, I'm going to have him on the show. Very excited for that. He's a hilarious dude. If you've seen his roast battles on YouTube or listened to his podcast, he's great. So look forward to having Ian on as well. Um, and then, we, like I said, we got Jesse coming on here in just a minute. Real quick before I talk to Jesse, real quick before I bring him up, um, who watched Mortal Kombat? I'll wait. I'll wait for you to talk into your phone. I did. Oh my God. Mortal Kombat was amazing. <laughs> Mortal Kombat is the feel good movie of 2021. There's a scene in there. I look, spoiler alert. Okay. I'm saying it now. Spoiler alert. There's a scene in there where someone gets sawed in half, where I jumped onto my couch and fist-pumped like like the Eagles won the Super Bowl. It was so cool. They did, and the whole movie is like, you're literally just waiting for fatalities. That's it. Anything anything beyond that is great, but it, it not expected, you know? Because even like, Everybody makes fun of Mortal Kombat Annihilation. That was the 97. That's the only movie I ever walked out of, by the way, was Mortal Kombat Annihilation 1997. My favorite character was Johnny Cage. They kill him in the first five seconds of Annihilation. I was like, I'm not. I was like 12. It takes a lot to walk out of a movie when you're 12, and I did it. That movie sucked. 
Um, I've never even seen a movie. I just watched the first five minutes, walked out, and I've seen people making fun of it online, and I've seen clips, and I'm like, oh, my God, it, it got worse. It got worse from the five minutes I saw where they kill the best character in the movie, and it's, like, corny, and the the, the CGI sucks, and the, everything's green screen, and the fighting isn't terrible. But, yeah, everything everything is, I, I've seen since online from that movie has confirmed me walking out of it. And look, this I love this Mortal Kombat movie, even though they don't have Johnny Cage in it, all right? They, they didn't put the white guy in the movie. It's a, it's a down year for white men starring in Asian <laughs> karate movies. <laughs> all right, I'm not going to go that direction on this podcast. Mortal Kombat was so good. Like, they have, like, a whole backstory between Scorpion and Sub-Zero, which, if like, I knew about because I... I honestly don't even play the game. I haven't played the game for, uh, you know, decades. But I, like, follow up with the stories of the characters. Like, I've, like, I've watched YouTube videos of, like, new Mortal Kombat came out. What are the characters up to? Like, I know all that stuff. So the fact that they, like, the beginning of the movie, it's, like, a beautiful... Yeah, it's like, a, it's like an Asian indie art house flick. I'm like, this is so cool. And then, like, the violence in it is... Just, um, I love the cinematography. Like, I really, you feel for the characters in it. And so that's the best, that's by far the best part of the movie. And it's so far and beyond what you would expect from a Mortal Kombat movie. The, everything in the middle that doesn't involve uh, Scorpion and Sub-Zero is just, you know, it's just like a Mortal Kombat movie. But they at least nail the fatalities. So, like, this is what I'm telling everybody. Like, the movie, if you played Mortal Kombat, as a kid, you got to see the movie. There's like three movies that Hollywood makes every year that you can watch and turn your brain off. Everything else is like, get ready to want to kill yourself. Kong versus Godzilla, which I just can't, I can't, <laughs> can't watch it. Mortal Kombat and whatever shitty Avengers movie comes out. So of those movies, brainless movies that mean nothing, Mortal Kombat 2021 Best Picture nominee. I'm all for it. I loved it. I It gets the bring in the backups seal of approval. Okay, so far I've only given that out twice. I've given it to Gardner Minshew. I say he should beat out, that the Jags should commit to him even if they draft Trevor Lawrence and start him over Lawrence. So Gardner Minshew, the third, Mortal Kombat 2021. Keep your eyes peeled. About every 10 episodes, I'm going to randomly give a bring in the backup seal of approval for something. And uh, who knows what it'll be. But right now that movie is, uh, I've gone to sleep every night thinking about Kung Lao's hat. That's a very specific reference that only people who've seen it know. But Buzzsaw Metal Hat is the coolest thing I've seen since... Uh, everybody in the world started dying. So thank you, makers of uh, Mortal Kombat. And Johnny Cage is coming back in the second one. So look at that. White guys still get their piece of the pie. We're going to get Johnny Cage is coming back. They like, I saw this like the end of the movie is like very heavy handedly. They go like, uh, again, I'm not going to say spoiler. I already said it. You get it. I'm talking about the movie. But they go, uh, the character's like, um, I'm retiring. I'm retiring from the UFC. And his, his trainer's like, where are you going? He's like, well, I'm going to Hollywood. What for? Not what? Who? 
and then it pans over and there's like a photo of Johnny Cage, but just like his belt with the cage thing because they obviously haven't cast Johnny Cage yet. I was watching on YouTube and it was like, it said, uh, <laughs> the end of Mortal Kombat explained. I'm like, explained? They fucking say exactly what the... Who needs to like further, oh geez, when they say they're going to Hollywood and they show a photo of Johnny Cage, I think what they mean is they want to explore the soul of, of American exceptionalism. It's like, no dude, Johnny Cage is in the second movie. That's what they're saying. It's not, there's no hidden, what could this possibly be? They left out Johnny Cage. He's coming back in Mortal Kombat 2. The end. Thank you for the YouTube video. YouTubers, man, I... I gotta get into YouTube movie reviews. If if it's if it's literally you can just say any movie the ending explained and like half a million people click on it. All right. If Chris Aurelio's listening, that's what he needs to do with his YouTube channel. All right. Start reviewing movies that start explaining the ending of movies that are completely explained in the dialogue. Chris, are you hearing me? Just yell back, I'll hear you. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. If Chris did want to let me know that he heard that, you know what he would do, everybody? He would write in to erichelwigcomedy at gmail.com, which is hopefully what you guys are going to start doing. I love it when I hear the feedback, so keep it coming to those of you that have written in. I appreciate it to those of you that will. Uh, fucking do it. Stop making me ask. All right, let's get to this third pre-planned bit, and then we're going to hop into our interview with uh, Jesse Eigner. Welcome back to another edition of On This Day in Backup History. Today we're in Washington, the city that's convinced itself that not having a team name is woke. For a backup quarterback! Shane Matthews walked into the office of head coach Steve Spurrier and said, Next season, coach, I want to start. Spurrier said no. You're only here because your father and I killed a hooker and threw her body in a swamp during your Florida recruitment trip in 1988. Matthews was shocked, but then remembered all the times in college when his father would park the car at the lip of the swamp near campus, hold binoculars to his face, and methodically comb the murky waters for hours, all the while quietly whispering to himself, Not today. <laughs> all right. Listen, so I do these pre-planned bits a couple months usually before I air them. And because I edited Jesse's interview a little bit before and just adjusted for sound, I happen to know that during the interview I also referenced killing a hooker. I didn't know I would reference that twice in one show. Okay, that just kind of is the way it worked out. But let me go ahead and make a statement now before I play the interview for you. I've never killed a hooker, okay? So that's just, I just want to put that out there. The fact that I've mentioned it twice comedically by the end of this podcast is just happenstance. All right, let's move forward. Jesse Eigner, this is the worst intro he's ever gotten, by the way, is a man assuring his listeners that he doesn't kill hookers. Jesse Eigner is a friend of mine. He's a comic in New York City. He's also the co-host of the Brazed Bits podcast. You can find him at, at Igs on Instagram and Twitter. Enjoy our conversation. We had a great time. I 
feel like you might have gone to a couple of those, but I used to host a mic at the Village Lantern on Tuesdays at six. I feel like I remember you going to it. That was yes. like, I, I, I ran that mic for far too long and it was a dark dungeon. Everyone was upset. Everyone like was mad at me for not putting them up first. Mm-hmm. No one would laugh. But I kind of, I sneaky just enjoyed the pain of it because it made, it was like, it it made you prepare to bomb anywhere. And like, it kind of like made you sharpen up certain bits. I kind of like, I, I, I enjoyed it in a weird, like dark way. Yeah, I do. I did go to that mic and it was, it got awful. That was not a reflection <laughs> on you, but it's, you know what it was is like, that's back up for you. I think we started around the same time. Um, you know, I really started taking stand up seriously like seven or eight years ago. Um, those first couple years, there's a value in going to those hell rooms and just sure. really bombing, you know, like I remember just really miserable karma lounge mics oh, yeah. for a couple years where you're like, you just felt like you were in the bottom of a pirate ship and there's, <laughs> yeah. you waited like 18 hours to go. You're like, how's this mic going all night? Like it's, you walk out, there's a different president. Like it was really <laughs> hard in the beginning, but that, you know, that- those Tino mics love to bring his own <laughs> snacks. Dude, it was like, I remember one time, I think I've, I might've told this story on the podcast. So forgive, forgive me listeners. If you've that heard is, it before. That is my favorite podcast lingo. I do this all the time. My podcast is, I probably say this already. I feel like there needs to be <laughs> an edit together of every host of saying, I probably said this already. I probably said this story already. I say that so often. Well, I, cause I you it's say. impossible to know. Like I'll, I'll, I'll release an episode and someone's like, Hey man, I love that bit with your cat. And I'm like, I don't have a cat. What did I say? I don't. I don't know what I said. I released it yesterday, and it's out of my mind. Yeah. So who the fuck knows what I said six months ago? But no, I. I one time I went to a. Uh, did you remember Tom Lisi by any chance? He was a comic back in the day. I don't think so. All right, so he was like he was like an open micer when I was an open micer, and we went to a baseball game, and I remember we like sat down in the first inning, and my wife texted me, and she'd been saying she was going to try stand up. She's a comedic actress writer and i think she'd just been watching me do it and liked that i was feeling like some creativity from it so she was like i'm gonna try it and so in the first inning she's like i'm doing a mic i'm I'm going to karma lounge (laughs) i showed it to my buddy and was like all right let's see how she feels about this and then like in the third inning i get a text she's like i'm here i'm like okay great and then like in the fifth inning she's like this is a long wait (laughs) And then in the seventh inning, she's like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Oh, my God. And then right as the game is ending, she goes, I'm never doing stand-up comedy again. And so I saw her whole arc arc. happen in the, like, two and a half hours of a baseball game. That is hilarious. That's the classic open mic emotional roller coaster. I just did my first open mic since November uh, on Friday. And I got there first. It was a lottery mic. And end up going like second to last, and people would, people who like came in off the streets, that he would throw their name in the bucket, and then immediately pick the name out out of the bucket, and and they would go perform. So it was just, it it makes you stronger. But open mics were brutal, absolutely brutal. I kind I haven't done a lot of them since I came out to L.A. I've been like holding myself to just trying to get on shows and. I mean, that said, I did a bunch of virtual shows during the pandemic, which I don't feel is that different from an open mic, if I'm really honest with myself. Sure, yeah. It's humbling. I 
there's no question there's a value in it. It's like, yeah, you got to find the ones where where you can really try out new material and let stuff bomb. But I feel like that's the the journey. Right. And after you do mics for long enough, you realize it's almost exclusively the audience's fault, like 90% of the time. Like if it, once you've been doing it for a couple of years, but like that sure. learning, learning that in the beginning is so hard. Yeah. You have to learn if you fail to actually learn it, you have to, to bomb, sure. you have to put yourself through that to actually take it in. How has your, your LA comedy journey been? I feel like you've been out there for like two it's, years now. I've been out there through, I've been out here three years. If I count, wow. the, uh, if I count the pandemic year, which feels unfair. So oh, I yeah. wanted, I want to say two years, but yeah. It's going good, man. I mean, I, I I had a weekly show, which you did a bunch, barely making it, which Great show. I think is still going on in New York. Now they've like, the obviously the creek is gone, which sucks. But they moved it to a new venue. But I started doing that show out here. So that's how I just met a lot of comics. And yeah, I was, I was honestly starting to get up a lot more right until the pandemic started. And then that was that. Right. It's good, man. It's, it's, a, it's a very different scene here like you don't do you really don't do more than a show a night like you can but you're just gonna sit in traffic for like an hour and a half and stressing out and yeah it's not like new york where you used to be like i can hit this one at 6 45 i know the host here and like yeah i remember getting off of work in new york at six or seven o'clock at my job and hitting five mics and still being home by like 10 right like you'd like plan out your subway route and be able to like yeah i did that the first two or three years for sure but it, yeah, it, that's, it, it burnt out. And at a certain level, like, you went through that. But now I feel like you don't need to do that. You don't, one show a night is good enough. You're just, because you're, go, at least when I was doing it, I was bombing at three or four of those mics. Like, I, you're really just learning the the pain and like yeah. not to be afraid of it. But yeah, once exactly. you're not afraid of it, you're like, okay, I can just, I can synthesize my process down to do like a spot for 10 minutes somewhere. And I'll get everything out of that that I would have gotten in. Yeah. Did you do improv first or stand up? Did improv, man. So I actually started when I moved to New York. I was twenty two. I did stand up a couple times, and I got like scared of it. This was when it was. This was when it was really mean. This is when like people like <laughs> would just rip oh, yeah. your asshole out from your open mic ears and then, Yeah, and I'm just yeah. like, what? dude, I'm twenty two. Like I moved here to do comedy. I'm an asshole. But yeah, I had a couple of those experiences where I was like. Man, this is this is hard, and like I'm living in New York. I don't know anybody in New York. I was squatting in a condemned building. Like I was really wow. living like a very makeshift, barely alive life. And then I took an improv class, and I started like hooking up with a girl in it. And I was like, "Is this what improv is like? Like I'm just gonna like have sex and hang out, right. and we're gonna sing song. I have to pretend like I like musical theater. But besides that, it's really not that bad." Sure. So I ended up falling into improv and sketch and then I got like a commercial actor. So kind of like I did that up until I was like 27, 28. Got it. So the, the barely making it name is, is, is real. You, you were, you were barely living in New York when you moved here. You were barely surviving. Yeah. 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 Is I remember where it came from. Or is it just, Oh, the fact that we're <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I think it applies to every single person besides oh, yeah. Michelle Wolf. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we, I don't remember how we came up with that name, but I mean, that was really in the very beginning of me doing stand up was hosting that show. Yeah. That's the way to network. That's the way to, to meet people. Cause it's tough. You don't at open mics. Some people are competitive. Some people like don't want you to give them tags or give them 
critiques if you don't know them. Everyone's kind of thinks they're better than each other. But if you have someone on your show, you're like, you're, it's like an olive branch. You're like, I think you're funny. Come do my show. And then yeah. that opens the floodgates. Of friendship. The floodgates of friendship. Exactly. I don't know how you, when did you start your podcast? I wanted to ask you that. Lance Parker and I started Braze Bits. We're on our 71st episode. We started last October around Halloween time. Okay. I feel like this is the new thing to get good at. Podcasting? Yeah. Like, I just think that, because even when I, I started mine in the pandemic, so it was August last year. And when I started, I was like, oh, I think I'm too late. Like, I feel like everybody that's gotten something from this and then i was reading like oh only like three percent of america knows what a podcast is still right like it's right. still like a very small it's a very small percentage of people i think that actually know about it and that percentage keeps growing so even when i feel like oh this is like everybody and their dad has a podcast no i feel like the room for growth is actually huge and i think we're all gonna feel it when people actually have jobs again in the next right. like, months that the, the, there's gonna be a need to listen to something in their car Absolutely. The commuting, 100%. The podcast for me has been huge the past year without having be able to perform consistently. Just being able to have like a weekly thing to do with Lance where we just riff and, and bullshit. It, it's kind of, it's, it's saved me this past year of like one consistent, consistent comedy outlet to have. How have you managed like not doing real standup for a year? Are you seeing that like bleed through in any other ways in your life? I'm literally bleeding. I feel like I'm, I've, I've, it's affected me mentally. I'm bleeding from the inside out. I, <laughs> I'm like angrier. I'm a worse person. Yeah, I'm seeking yeah, yeah. attention from my bodega person when I give him a coffee. If I crack a bit, if I don't get a laugh, uh, it's it's really affected me. I feel stand up in a certain way was an addiction. Like up until the pandemic, like I was doing it every night. I needed to do it. It was my entire uh, ego. And once I stopped doing that, I lost a lot of uh, self-worth and purpose. I feel the same. I don't know, man. I, I'm i going to do a festival in May, which is now three weeks away. And I'm like, you ever have, I don't know if you have things where like you go to sleep, like just fantasies. Sure. Where like I used to have one where I was like, I was a quarterback for the Eagles in 1993 against the Lions in the playoffs. Yeah, like I used to like. I thought about that for like five years. I would fall asleep just pretending to be Rodney Pete, <laughs> and like, <laughs> like I see Holly Robinson Pete waving to me from the stands. But like that has been replaced in the last month with just me uh, just thinking about being in Akron doing a comedy festival in <laughs> thirty people. I I cannot. I think about it every night when I go to sleep. Love that. Yeah, I, I got. Avails a couple like last week for the Lantern because New York just opened up doing stand up and just seeing the the Avail email made me emotional made me almost cry like yeah yeah, yeah. it was it's and it's it feels so like it's surreal still because this past year has been unbelievable but it's it's very surreal that we can hopefully start getting to do stand up again I think the crowds are going to be awesome I think they're going to be better can't. than ever I think the people yeah. are going to be so excited to be there appreciative of live entertainment. I'm very, I'm very excited for it. I think in the beginning, the crowds will have never been better and my standup will never have been worse. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I'm really interested to see yeah. what that feels like. Yeah. To have no yeah. comedic timing and be like crying the first time I hear somebody laughing. It'll be, yeah. it'll be awesome. 
I want to get, I need to get good at stand up again. But I feel like some friends are like, yeah, once you tell me when you have a show, like, no, I need to get good first. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll start inviting people to shows again. Yeah. It's not, it's not like riding a bike. Like I, I knew how to ride yeah. it five years ago. I'm sure yeah. I'll be fine. Just hop back on. Like, yeah, it, it takes, if, if you stop for a little bit, you're going to feel it and let alone Jesus. What a 14 months. Yeah. 14 months. Crazy. Yeah. Whatever it's been. Yeah. Yeah. Look, speaking of crying, Let's, we, should get, we should get to the Jets, right? Oh, my God. How do you – I mean, it's I, I didn't even think about this until right now, but you you guys just traded your guy. Sammy D. How do you Sammy. feel about that? Were you were you a believer? Did you think, like, he had a he had a shot with a new system to do well? I was a believer. I – and it was a, it was a delusion. I'm a delusional Jets fan. Uh, I, I thought that Darnold was being held back by Adam Gase – uh, and that he showed some flashes last year. And I thought that they can get a lot of, a lot for trading the second pick this year. I think they, they could have got a whole truckload of, of assets to build around Darnold. They didn't build anything. They, they didn't get him any protection, no weapons outside of Le'Veon Bell, who's, who's terrible. But it's just classic Jets. Last year, I say this every year, but the Jets last year like made me detach emotionally from the Jets. Like, I feel like I was working towards that after the Sanchez years and like last year was such a shit show that it's funny. Like it, the fact that we traded away Darnold is hilarious and that we're going to have another rookie quarterback and he's going to have no, he's going to have all the receivers and free agents that we signed this year thought they were coming to play with Darnold. And now they're going to have some rookie Mormon quarterback from BYU. It's, it's, it's a joke. It's an absolute joke. I can't get is, upset is Zach Wilson a Mormon? Because I, I just because they know. go to BYU doesn't mean they're a Mormon. Right. He might be. You're either a yeah. full-on Mormon or you're like a heroin addict, like Jim McMahon. Like there's only two. Right. I'll take Jim McMahon, but uh, yeah. I'm not sure if he's Mormon. I'm also I'm not sure if he does heroin. So <laughs> I think we're yeah in opposite sides of the same boat. But Donald Darn, Darn, got the when he had mono. It was in, in, incredible. He just never really got a fair shake. And I think like my nightmare was him going to the Patriots and becoming like a Hall of Famer and becoming like just like shoving it down our throat twice a year. But I, I'm rooting for him in Carolina. I think he's 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 going back to be with uh, Robbie Anderson. They have McCaffrey. I think he, I, I'm rooting for him. I think he'd be pretty good. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't really watch him in college. I assume because he was drafted early that he's got a lot of talent or whatever. But yeah. If there's a theme of my podcast, it's an uneducated one where I go, it's all the situation. Okay. If Cleo Lemon had been in Tom Brady's shoes, he would have won eight Super Bowls. Like, I like making a dumb fan argument that every backup quarterback could have been amazing in a situation where he was like nurtured and had all the things around sure. him. So, yeah, I mean, in, in that regard, I'm like, how hard is it for any of these guys if you're, in the top 60 quarterbacks in the world to become a top 20 quarterback if a team builds correctly. Right. So, right. yeah, it's all a question of, like, what's going to happen in Carolina and, like, if they – yeah, if they protect I, him I, and all that shit, you know? I had so much hope. His, his grandfather, his name was Dick Hammer. You heard about Dick Hammer? No. His grandfather's amazing, name was amazing Dick name. Hammer. He was, like, a, a an Olympic volleyball player and a Hollywood actor and, like, just like a just, like, an all-time, like – Broy dude, his name is Dick Hammer. I just thought this guy this, thought Darnold would be the next resurrection of Dick Hammer. <laughs> Sorry, man. Do? 
It's all right. I mean, I, look, you got really not emotional about it. No, well, that's the right. That's the right way to be. I mean, at least you're not doing what a lot of people do, which is you're not leaving your team. You're emotionally you've left them. I threatened to, but I'm not. I'm not. I, I can't at this point. Everyone, where, where are you gonna go? The Giants? You no, gonna go, I, I go hate to the, the other team? All my friends are like, all my friends growing up are Giants fans, and that was a part of it also. Like the Giants passed on Darnold. They got Saquon, Saquon Barkley in that draft, and I, I kept yeah. like going, "How could you pass on Darnold?" Daniel like Daniel Jones is a joke. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere. I'm a Jets fan for life, unfortunately. Yeah, man. Look, the Eagles weren't that far behind the Jets in futility until a couple Big years Dick ago. Nick. And then Big Dick Nick. Yeah. yeah. He's my he's he's the guy. But then classic Eagles somehow just don't ride him for at least one more year after that. Don't, I'm sorry. You are you're, you are walking. You brought up Darnold. You, you got- <laughs> you're walking into my sweet spot here, man. It's this is the this is the reality of being an Eagles fan, where half the fan base is like, "Oh, well, it was the right move to stick with." Course, they just play like nerdy, smartest guy in the room. I never played yeah. football, analyst, and it's like, okay, he won the fucking Super Bowl. Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. Period. Beat Tom Brady. Yeah. Like, I don't care. I, you know, as an Eagles fan, it would have been nice if, if they had stuck with Nick Foles and just been like, we're trading Carson once. We'll get what we can get for him. If he goes and wins four Super Bowls with some other team, okay. But we won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. You know, he threw 27 touchdown passes and two interceptions. And, in like, like, there's something about this, the midnight green and this dude is magic, and we're not going to fuck with it. So we're going to have him still throw to like the slowest receiver in the world in Alshon and just see how we're, we're going to ride this train into hell. We won the Super Bowl, <laughs> but now we're going to die on it. That's that's yeah. the fan perspective, but it's also the correct perspective because like, I don't know whether it's because Nick Foles kind of sucks or he elevates as an eagle. Either one doesn't matter. If the rest of the team wants to run through a wall for him, then like, yeah, I love that team. discussion. I love that team. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing, oh, dude. And and people on the podcast I know have heard me talk about this pretty much every guest I've had for sixteen episodes. But it Perfect. was a big, it was a big fuck up, and it pissed me off too. I, I when people were like, "Carson will figure it out," you know, like Carson's a tough guy; he can handle it. And I'm like, "There's a fucking statue of the other guy. He's got to walk by the guy's statue." Oh, I didn't. I feel like I knew that, but didn't. Didn't really clock that. They actually built a statue of him outside the stadium? Yes, there was a statue of Nick Foles at the stadium after they got rid of Nick Foles and committed to Carson Wentz. That's and I'm just like, how does that how does that work? Like how do, it's it just feels like you don't understand human nature if you're gonna put anybody I I I think Carson Wentz is kind of a pussy, but like, you know, whatever, a football pussy, which means a million times tougher than me, but he's not Ray Lewis. Sure. So like but any person would not deal with that. Even if you think you're dealing well with it, you're not. And if like whoever the GM or like this the nerdy stats guy, like say they, they're doing the analytics and like Wentz is projected to be a lot better. Who cares? Appease the fans. Make the fans yes. like you just want a Super Bowl, just do the, the easiest decision. Just ride the magic a little what a little bit more. <laughs> Can I have some joy in my life? Yeah. Like what, what what's wrong with that? Dude, if the Eagles went six and ten with Foles the years after they won the, the year after they won the Super Bowl, 
I would have been okay with it. I would have been like, we would have been losing. I would have been like, hey, we won the Super Bowl. And then he'd have two comebacks in the season. I'd be like, this is the greatest feeling. I I just wanted to see him play quarterback. That was it. So it really really was, it really was a, a fuck up in every way. And I thought pretty obvious it would go wrong. The stat, the, the statue thing just blows me away. It would be like if, like, I love my wife, but if there was like a statue of the dude that she was banging, like in the kitchen right before <laughs> me, and I had to walk by it every day, like even if I told yeah. myself I was okay with it, the first time we're having a fight, I'd be like, "You gotta put the statue right where I see it." Every we fight about the statue. <laughs> it's right there. That's gonna so throw a sheet over it so I can like get a fucking sandwich. That's hilarious. It's it's so dumb. It. it I think it, it it reminds me a lot of when the Ravens won the Super Bowl, and then they were like, "Let's get rid of Delfer," and it's like, "Now you right. suck, now right. you suck," because you didn't realize that Trent Delfer throwing, completing forty percent of his passes for eighty yards and winning the Super Bowl still won the Super Bowl. Right, right. It made the defense play better. Like that, yeah, I, I was no saying this with my last guest. It's like he used to turn the he used to like go run his like apartment errands while the Ravens were on offense and then wait for the defense to come back on. But yeah. like, if that's the team you got, if that's what you built and it goes all the way, you just ride it. You ride 100%, 100%. it. 100%. Managing the offense. Sanchez did that for like, when we, we won three years, right? Yeah. AFC championships, two years. He was the first three years. He was, he was solid. He was just a game manager. He wasn't trying yeah. to do, do too much, but it ended up, he just, they, 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 they and they, they built around him. They like, Got Braylon Edwards, Antonio Holmes. They got a uh, Damian Moore, one of the big linemen. You got to build around what you got. Was Sanchez really that? Was Sanchez really that bad on the Jets ever? Like when was he? I don't know how much of a cliff he really fell off of. He started getting exposed once the defense got worse, and that he started to have to be like the offense needed to start controlling the games. He was he threw so many picks he couldn't read any. Um, defenses if he had like a shoddy old line he couldn't he wasn't a playmaker he needed people around him to kind of lift him up yeah, yeah. rex ryan had great defenses th- those years they're unbelievable he didn't have to do much revis bart scott cromarty it was solid defenses do you remember when rex ryan like they found out that he his wife would take feet videos and it got it that story got broke by like a new york paper absolutely and i remember and I remember thinking, why would you do that unless you want the Jets to suck? Because it's like clearly that's where he gets his. Why would you, why would the papers do that? Yeah, like well, do you remember like the good old days when like JFK would kill thirty hookers and like nobody would say anything because they're like he's he's got to be president. This is what he needs. Yeah. I'm not saying we should kill hookers anymore, but definitely if it's just some dude making videos of his wife's feet, yeah. It feels weird to make that a thing that he got made fun of for. I don't know. I always, I always thought they should have just buried the Rex Ryan feet thing. I think it was hard because his first season was on Hard Knocks, and he was so outspoken and so everything was out there. Like he said, we were going to win the championship his first year. So like, if you and if, and and the New York Post and Daily News, they they'll they're they're tabloids. They're, they're going to run any any kind of yeah. uh, shocking or exciting stuff. But he his. I think he got a tattoo of Sanchez like the second year on his arm, riding a motorcycle. Oops. Yeah, and, and then he had to have it like reshaped into a foot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do do we even want to talk about Kellen Clemens? I mean, I looked at his Wikipedia. I mean, he he existed. He was a relatively he, he was sure a did. relatively high pick. 
Second round, second round draft pick out of Oregon. He had a good, and he had a good career at Oregon for sure. Yeah, he just sticks out to me because he was like the backup quarterback of my that like. I know you had uh, previously somebody on who talked about Glenn Foley. Yeah, yeah. He was like a little before my time. I remember Glenn Foley from just from NFL Blitz. He was like a, the quarterback oh, yeah, yeah, NFL yeah. Blitz. But for some, Kellen Clemens just seemed he was there for like five seasons as a backup for the Jets. And it just feels like a classic backup. Like there's never, I feel like there's certain levels of backups where you have a backup quarterback and you're like, if our, if our number one guy goes down, we, we have a chance with like Teddy Bridgewater or we have with Joe Flacco last year with the Jets was a decent backup. But like Kellen Clemens, you just knew if Sanchez went down, I think he was drafted. We had Chad Pennington. If Pennington went down, we have no shot with Kellen Clemens. It was kind of just like you were able to just breathe. Like I love his name, Kellen Clemens. Yeah, he's got name. a lot of alliteration in there. Yeah, yeah. The, um, and it, but I agree with your premise though about backups that it depends on the situation. He he kind of got a raw deal. He came in with Pennington, and then I wrote I wrote some of this down. I wanted to come in my due diligence. He came in and then. After Pennington, Brett Favre came in for a season. While they still had Clemens, Favre comes in yeah. for a year. Then they ha- they draft Sanchez. And then they bring in Mark Brunel as the backup to Sanchez. And they kept Colin Clemens around for that. Clemens doesn't go anywhere. I feel like he just en- he enjoyed being a backup. He might have. I mean, it's. I don't think it's. I, I I don't think a lot of people will admit that. Everybody goes like, I want to play. But, you know, I look at the McCown brothers and I'm like, maybe you don't want to play like you don't you get to play till you're you can be a backup until you're 42 because you only take like 30 snaps a season. So, right. Somehow Josh McCown parlay that into being like in his later years, like a, a quarterback whisperer, like he got paid 10 million dollars for the Jets. So he actually had a decent he had a good uh, year. One yeah. season. Yeah. And then when they got Darnold, they kept him around. And then uh, didn't the Eagles bring yes. him in, or did somebody he else started our playoff in? game two years ago? Oh my <laughs> oh, god! Yeah. Who's this? Why? Did, why was he starting? Who got hurt? Who do you think got hurt? <laughs> Wentz. Wentz yeah, got hurt. Yeah. He got he got like hit in the back of the head and was like, "Take me out." He checked out of the he's old self checkout. Wentz checked out oh. of the playoff game. I know we're not supposed to say that. We're supposed to say like it's it's the right thing to do to go like, "Take me out, coach." That hurt. But in the play, I don't know. In the playoffs, oh, in the playoffs, Jay Cutler did that also. I think oh, in Jay. an important game, and then the, the camera just just pans to him the entire time, smoking. At least, <laughs> at least Wentz has like the face of somebody who's upset he's out of the game. Jay Cutler right. has like just permanent douche face, where he just yeah yeah like just never looks like he cares, right. That's that's kind of why I enjoyed Kellen Clemens because he never seemed like he cared, but he like he knew his role, and it also just like I don't know he he, he was he was never showed an ounce of being good, but we kept him around for like six years. Sometimes it's I mean sometimes it helps in the quarterback room to have somebody I guess who like knows the system or whatever. And I mean he didn't play at all. He played a little bit in his second season for the Jets, and then he basically didn't start. Um, I'm looking right now. Game starts. He only. He went to the Rams. He he played more with the Rams in 2013 and did like okay. Through he threw more touchdowns yeah. and interceptions in 2013, which is the only season he did that. It looks like an extended time. Yeah. 
Yeah. But for the Jets, he just had the eight games in 2007, and then he started one game in 2008, 2009, and 2010. That's it. So, like, he was really – I think he was really more like their third-string quarterback. And I guess I guess if you're with a third string, it makes sense if you're – you might as well have somebody that's been there a while to, like – Yeah, like you said, like, yeah. help at least, like, know what he's doing in practice. Like, that's the guy that has to – But it, sh- it shows what kind of guy he is. Like, why wouldn't he want to get out of there, like, go somewhere else with a change of scenery? I never – I don't know of any other third-string quarterbacks that kind of, like, stay on one team. That's why I love them. I love he's like, I'm I'm, I'm chilling. I I feel like uh, I'm good in the quarterback room. Brett Favre is here for one year. We got we got Sanchez. Like uh, people like me. I got a cool name. I rock I rock number eleven. I like that. Uh, yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah. No. I what I try to do with the podcast is find those guys who did because with backups you're like most backups play on thirteen teams over the course of two seasons. And they don't, they don't, they're not, you yeah. don't really associate them with any one place. But there are guys out there that have an extended run somewhere or have like a moment. They came in in the playoffs with this team and won a game. And everybody right. was like, oh my God, this guy's great. And then he sucks the next year. Right. Yeah. I think, I mean, the only reason I picked Kellen Clemens is because you recommended him when I asked you to do the show. <laughs> Cause I think, I That's think why he I, might, yeah. he, he's unique. He's unique. Yeah. Cause I'd say like Chargers fans would probably make the same argument for him they'd go oh he's our guy that stayed around for eight years and only really played in yeah. one season yeah he made seven million dollars i think over his course of his career has, has anyone done uh matt barkley as a backup quarterback i feel like he, he i i saw like bill's twitter like going nuts that matt barkley like uh left he left the bills or signed somewhere else last yeah. year i didn't even know like he was on the Bills, but apparently he played in a couple of important games. I knew he was on the Bills because he was on the Eagles, and I I kind of liked him. But he threw a lot of interceptions. Like I remember, I think there was one sure. game where he threw like four picks in a half, which you have to be trying to do that. I mean, look, it works out. Look, yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick has made that a real thing. Like that dude's it's cleared wild. a lot of money, lasted a long time in the league by just having like three or four miracle games every season usually as a backup coming in behind somebody else. Right. Right. I think he's probably going to start for the Washington football team, which is wild that they're going into a season thinking that he's going to be the starter. It's a huge mistake. Uh, <laughs> what they should do, look, I, I feel an obligation to all backup quarterbacks. I, I always have to, whoever I, this is how I evaluate a team's quarterback depth chart. I say, who's the most backup player on that? list whoever that guy is he's been wronged and that's it i work backwards from that so currently for the uh i almost said redskins the washington football players uh it's taylor heineke man the dude rocked out in a playoff game almost beat brady super bowl champion bucks uh i would start him and i'd let fitzpatrick back up him he definitely deserves a shot it's hard to gauge with these backups. It's like, is it like when they show a glimmer, it's like, how long do you ride them for? Like if they show a glimmer during a game, like once the starter comes back, like when Tom Brady was the backup to Bledsoe when Bledsoe went yeah. down, and he, I think it was Mo Lewis in the Jets who knocked out Bledsoe. Um, and it's like, you just got to ride what you got. But like, 
It's, it's, it's backups. It's, it's, I love the premise of the podcast. It's, it's a fascinating. It's subject. A, yeah. It's fun because you get to pretend like you have an educated opinion about like what, what like, right. Oh, what could have happened if Mo Lewis had pulled up and it's not hit, yeah. not, not murdered Drew Bledsoe. He almost died from that hit. Um, Right. Just think of like what, how the league would look different, you know, who would have won all those Super Bowls in lieu of the Patriots, you know? But yeah, right. like, I mean, the, the truth is, is that I think even quarterbacks that you're like, why didn't that guy ever get a chance to go? It's probably because in practice they sucked. And the coach was like, this guy sucks. I don't really oh care God. if Ray Lucas gets another shot. He's not that good. Wow. And like, I think that's even though Ray, in my head, I'm like, why didn't Ray Lucas get another year on the Jets? That dude was sick. That's hilarious. But like, what did I know? I was 12 and I liked the colors and I like, I liked the Jets right. uniforms and it the game in print. He seems on athletic. Me. He seems yeah. like he's like a semi running quarterback. He, he, he looked, looked cool. Ray, I, looked I agree. Cool. I thought Ray Lucas should have got a better. This is literally, he was this is literally the exact level of analyzing i want on the show he looked yeah. cool <laughs> he could run a little looked bit cool man i like i loved randall cunningham he was my favorite player so and as soon as any quarterback ever broke the pocket for 10 yards i was like hall of fame build around him yeah he can do it i remember do you remember a guy named bobby hoying on the eagles no. so he's the no. ultimate of like he came into a season where the eagles were whatever like one in ten uh which was every season in the 90s and played well in three games, meaningless games at the end of the season. And Eagles fans were like, this is our guy. I bought a Bobby Hoying jersey the next season. I was like, we're going places. This is the, this is the sure. guy. And then he came in the next season, sure. started eight games, and didn't throw a touchdown pass. The Jets drafted uh, Christian Hackenberg in the second round out of Penn State. And he never played a game. He literally, he could, he was like a bad practice player. He lost his, all of his confidence. He, he like, I think he was behind Geno Smith for a year, but he like could have, he didn't have a lot of competition around him, but apparently he was like, just like an awful <laughs> practice player. He lost all of his confidence. And then he went to the arena football league and got cut from there. Yeah, like, yeah. And he was a big prospect. I remember him at Penn state being like, he's like a big bulky guy playing for Penn state football. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I agree. It's, it's all with anything. It's all confidence. And once you lose that, you, you lose your swag. Yeah. I wonder what standups are like that too. Like there could, there could have been guys that would have been like bigger than Chappelle, but like they just bombed at one too many open mics and couldn't just, just couldn't Absolutely. rebound from it. You know? Sure. They had a scarring show. They had a scarring audition or something. Bad heckler. Dude, I think of like the shows that I've had that are scarring that I still think of. And I'm like, could that be the thing that ruined me? Would I be <laughs> further along if I hadn't watched a dude pee in a jar in Hawaii? <laughs> right. But standup is interesting. I get more affected by a bad set. If someone I know is in the, yeah. in the room, like if there's comics or if there's friends or family, but if I bomb in front of like no, uh, strangers, I can like walk that off in an hour and kind of forget about it. But it's weird. Like if somebody I know witnessed that, I can't. Like I, I, I feel like that's how they, they see me forever. And you're not wrong. Like the hardest thing to, <laughs> you're, 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 you're not. I mean, I remember seeing some f comics who have done very well for themselves very early on, and in my head, I'm like, that guy sucks. I saw him suck. I, I saw him suck 
12 years ago when I first moved to New York. But that was the first time I saw him, and I was right. going up after. So that's just what imprinted. So now, like, I, these people have, like, specials now. And in my head, I'm like, I had a better set than him that night. It's crazy. So, like, yeah, I, you right. can definitely get seen too soon by the wrong people. Like, that That's the utility of open mics is, like, just make sure those sure. people are all just comics who are equally as shitty as you. And then slowly build yourself up to where you're ready to get seen by people. But yeah, I mean, exactly. I, when I started, um, so I was in an improv show, this is years ago. And then a commercial person was like in the audience and they were like, Oh, you should come read or whatever. Like she just, she was just like scouting improvisers for commercials. This is, this was like the vibe in improv mm -hmm. 10 years ago. And she like brought me in to read and I'd literally like never done commercial copy and like didn't know. I didn't like know where to look. So I just like read the paper. Like I was like a sixth mm -hmm. grader, like doing a history project. And I remember the, the look on her face. Like mm -hmm. when I was done with the take, like she didn't give me a second take. She was like, thanks for coming in. Like I didn't prepare. Like it was, oh, it was no. so embarrassing. Oh. And years later, whatever. I was like, I did commercials. Like I lived off that for years, but like that first experience of watching a, watching for it sure. dawn over somebody's face that I was the worst actor ever and had no idea what it meant to prepare right. for something. Yeah, like I'll I'll like think about that in the shower now. <laughs> like it's absolutely yeah. oh, absolutely. My first two years I I, I have so many shows. I had so many bringer oh, shows that I invited oh, God. friends and family to that the shows themselves were three hour nightmares, but even just my sets, like I was like doing like edgy <laughs> shocking humor just like to get yeah. laughs and like I don't think any, I think people still see me that way. The, the people that went to see that with those shows, but it's interesting. I, back to football. It's interesting how a quarterback, like I feel like Eli Manning, his first three years, everyone, like he was terrible, but somehow he was able to hold on enough. And he wasn't like, he won just two Super Bowls. But I, I remember vividly those first three years of Eli Manning, like the sports radio in New York, all my friends being like, this guy mm -hmm. is terrible. Like, his mannerisms are terrible, but he was able to. Maybe it's because he's a, he's a Manning, but he was able to hold on to his own. He also got lucky. The 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 fact is, if, if David Tyree is that the guy's name, doesn't like catch the ball like between his pinky and his eyelid or whatever he did, then he's not Eli Manning. He's Jake Delhomme. It's amazing how a starter in the NFL, how you could perceive someone as a starter, and how quickly they can like fall to be perceived as a backup. Like Blake Bortles now is like considered a bum. Trubisky hasn't really gotten a second chance yet, but um, yeah, Geno Smith, Jameis Winston. Geno Smith got punched into being a backup because he was, wasn't he going to start that season? <laughs> He's going to start. We were everyone so Geno Smith out of the starting lineup. That's what happened to him. I believe it was over $300. It was over $300. His, the guy who punched him, um, he wanted Gino to come to his charity event during the summertime and he bought his plane ticket and Gino never showed up. So the guy wanted Gino to pay him for the plane ticket and he went up to him and said, where's my money? And he said, Gino was like, I'm not paying you. And he punched him out. Good. I mean, sorry, dude, that's a dick. That's and a dick move. That's a real dick move on his part. So like, oh, I, I, you know, <laughs> Gino's the, maybe Gino's the only what? backup. I can't really have his back on the show. Should have paid that yeah. dude his money. He's a dickhead. 
And he was probably yeah. I'm because wasn't it like it wasn't a starter that hit him. It was like a backup guy. It was like he's like a like a special teams linebacker, like a defensive right? linebacker. Yeah. So it's like Geno yeah, yeah, Smith yeah, yeah. probably exactly. Geno Smith was an early pick. He probably had a lot more money than that guy too. So it's like it's really out oh, of yeah. it's really out of line to not pay him back. Out of line for him to not sure. go to the charity bench. Yeah. You're saying you're gonna go. And then and then not to and I'm pretty sure it ruined the guy who punched him's career also. Now he's just labeled as the guy who punched out Geno Smith. I, I don't I, we don't even know who his name we don't even know his name. And he was on your team and you don't know his name. No. <laughs> yeah. I know he went to the Bills after Rex Ryan uh went to the Bills as kind of like a and then when the Bills played the Jets, <laughs> Rex made him a captain in front of Geno Smith. <laughs> Rex is such, Rex a, is such a prick, is a hilarious man. It's, he's you guys should. I, I, he is. I don't know why he's not. I I think it. I think a lot of coaches when they take that TV job, they're like, "Oh my god, my life is so much easier." Like, but it, it always bummed me out that Rex Ryan didn't go back into coaching. He was so much fun. He's probably the best coach of my Jets lifetime. Like, like he most exciting. The mo- he most uh, productive. I enjoy, he he yeah. backed up his big talk. I think I think he enjoys the TV. I, mean, I don't think he's gotten an offer, but I think he enjoys the TV gig because he doesn't get held accountable for his like his crazy takes, and he can say whatever he wants. When he was like, when you're a coach, you get called out for being. Uh, yeah, who can? Yeah, like all the I, I don't really watch anymore. I kind of stopped watching sports opinions because I'm I don't care. I just think they take themselves way too seriously. Oh yeah, and it's like, ESPN. It's clearly not. It's like they know it's not real, right? Like even if they have a great yeah. take, as soon as they raise their voice, I'm like, you're talking about a fucking game, like. Right. Skibela said that he would tweet out like ideas for takes, and he would just and like whatever got the most the biggest outlandish response, like as, made people the most angry, was what he would say on TV. Yes, it's hilarious. It's it's like his his pure existence as a sports commentator is to troll people. Yeah. I mean, he, I, I love, he like died on the Tim Tebow is a great quarterback, man. I'm like, perfect. That's the perfect take. <laughs> yeah. Tim Tebow was, yeah. was screwed over by the Broncos. John Elway was afraid that Tim Tebow would outclass him and win more Super Bowls in Denver than he did. So turn on the, turn on the camera. Tebow had a little run for the Jets for, for a season. He had, he had he had like we were doing the, the wing T offense for him a couple couple plays. Yeah, you just running like, yeah, like I, like I like Army football, and whenever I watched Tim Tebow play, I was like, this looks like when I watched like the old grainy Army football games from like World War II when they were winning championships against Colgate. The quarterbacks were like, uh, and the quarterback drops back and throws the pat, and the his motion is like a windmill. He starts at his ankles and like hurls it like he's. <laughs> throwing a grenade yeah like that's what but like tim <laughs> tebow i've I yeah. said this on the podcast too this is the third time i've said your favorite podcast language but like if the dude had just just been willing to play a different <laughs> position he would have been the mo one of the most fun players in the nfl to watch watching tim tebow truck people as a fullback or a tight end would have been awesome yeah i mean he sure absolutely he had one magic year in Denver. He had the power of Jesus, Jesus behind him. That was like the one year Jesus watched football. And he was yeah. like, give, me, give <laughs> me the guy that did the abortion commercial during the Super Bowl. I'm going to – you know what? Let's have him beat the Steelers. Was it the Steelers? Did they beat the Steelers in the playoffs? 
can't remember. They beat they beat somebody in overtime, and it was, it was a Tim Tebow win. So they won like you know nine to six or something. <laughs> but it was like yeah, the Jets definitely lost to Tebow that year on the Broncos, thousand percent, <laughs> in like a thrilling ending. Jets fans, man, look, we're we're rooting for you. I hope I hope you're able to turn it around. I like I like your new uniforms. I like that you went back to that. Those uniforms got some hate, but I think they look pretty cool. They look all right. The, the, the color is a little too close to the Eagles to me. I, I like I like old more Eagles. of the Kelly old Eagles. I, I like more of like the Kelly green. But is that if they start winning, I'll love whatever they wear. But that's what happened. I, I don't like the I didn't like the Eagles jerseys until they won the Super Bowl, and then I was like, these are great. Yeah. But I still right. think I still think the Eagles should go back to what they were wearing in the '90s. But I also think that about every single team yeah. ever in any sport yeah. should just wear what I watched them wear when I was 13. Me too, thousand percent. All the old jerseys that I have as like a five year old, they should wear those jerseys. Yeah, my the, the Keyshawn Johnson, John Abraham jerseys I still have, and they should wear the names of the players that I remember on their backs. Like I don't, yes. even if it's LaShawn McCoy, he should wear Ricky waters Jersey because exactly. that's the one I bought. And that's what he exactly. should. It's for us. At the end of the day, they're entertaining us. Yes. Yes. They should, they should wear the old helmets that don't have any CTE protection because they, <laughs> they, they look cool. They should wear like the quarterback should have like the one big, huge bar and then nothing protecting the face. I miss the kickers who used to do that. John Hall and the Jets used to wear like a, like a two bar fa- face mask. It was awesome. He would like wear like he wore like a, a helmet too big. That would be like it was a great look. I'll never forget John Hall the way he wore his, his helmet. Yeah, it's great. There's less no, no no HD, no replay. We, we just took it for what it was. We enjoyed it. Yeah, I the astroturf that was like really bad for people. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. The ugly ass. Uh, every stadium was like just a big ugly cement circle that housed yeah. like thirty other teams. <laughs> yeah. Well, MetLife's a dump. I don't. MetLife the turf is apparently not good. A lot of people got injured there last year. I didn't even realize that. How could that still be a problem now? Because like they, they have know. such technology to get like really good fake grass that's like better for people. It feels like you have to. It feels like you have to go out of your way to have a shitty playing surface. In 2020, it was crazy. Like three straight weeks, somebody like tore their ACL, and then and the Jets were like, "We tested it out. We had our scientists come, and it's fine." You're just a, a, a scientist in like a, a bright green just mock ju- juking on the <laughs> running in pace on the on the turf. I'm not. Nothing's happening to me. You like watch a Jets game. There's just a bunch of like dudes in lab coats and beakers, like. <laughs> Pouring shit in from one <laughs> container to the other, like we have a team of scientists here to make sure the grass doesn't come up when you run. It's wild. Look, man, it was uh, it was great having you on the show. Uh, your level of analysis of players is exactly where this show. This is that's what we go for, man. Like you, cool. you just hit it, cool. the nail right on the head. If something looks cool, that's what matters. And so I just uh, it was really great having you and. Uh, I hope all my listeners go support your stuff. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This is a blast. Uh, I do a weekly podcast with uh, New York comic Lance Parker called Braze Bits. We got a lot of sports references. Um, we do a lot of food talk. We talk a lot about, we rank foods, talk foods, talk about hot bits. Just a lot of good banter. You can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. All right, cool. Well, look, thanks, Jesse. We'll, uh, we'll have you back on, all right?
Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to support us, visit erichelwig.com, where you can follow on social media, join the newsletter, visit the merch store, or email me directly. If you're on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, rate us five stars and write a review. If not, just subscribe from your preferred podcast platform. Lastly, if you know someone who would enjoy our content, please tell them about the show. That's erichelwig.com for all things backups, and we'll see you on the next episode.